Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, July 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Whew, busy times on the pitch, and Sean Goodwin and Briar Napier are here to break down what we have seen over the past few days. Let's go in reverse chronological order. Just before we started recording today, the top player for KC NWSL, Amy Rodriguez, was traded to the North Carolina Courage. The team Woso plays at home on Friday. That trade was for three players. This happened the morning after a Sporting Kansas City game that included an official's call that incensed Peter Vermees seemingly like no other in his tenure. Oh, and he wasn't even on the sideline for the game because of a health protocol. After a break, we take up the cases of the U.S. national teams. The men advanced in Gold Cup play with a victory over Canada last Sunday at Children's Mercy, a game in which Jean-Luc Abusio made his first national team start. And then in a stunner, the U.S. women's national team, coached by Kansas City and Vladko Andonovsky, fell to Sweden 3-zip in the Olympic opener. We break it all down on today's show, so let's get started. Talking soccer with Sean Goodwin and Briar Napier. Good to see you guys. And I was debating this morning what to lead with. We had Sporting Kansas City playing a very interesting game on Wednesday night against San Jose. Um, the women's national team losing, losing its Olympic opener to Sweden in somewhat embarrassing fashion. And Vladko Andonovsky, the Kansas City, and of course, is the coach. And then, of course, the U.S. Men's National Team in the Gold Cup. Uh, Interesting game. But all of that, we'll get to all of that. But the the lead for today's podcast uh, dropped into my email about an hour before we started recording, maybe less than that, with KCNWSL trading its marquee player, Amy Rodriguez, to the team they are facing on Friday night, the North Carolina Courage. Sean, what? Why did this happen, and what is the uh, what, what? What's what's the best outcome for Woso? Yeah, why did this happen? We, as of when we're recording this podcast, we will be talking to Hugh Williams later today on Thursday, so we'll get more information then. Uh, but you know, I don't take a trade in the sense that. Amy Rodriguez, you know, she's a top seven goal scorer of all time in the league. She's been with Kansas City since the FC Casey days, got here in 2014, won two championships. She was league MVP in 2015. You know, you can you can go down the accolades, stayed with a team for Utah, came back, she's now captain, or she was captain. Um so it is a, a shocking trade in accents, but you know. Like a lot of sports, fans can have attachments and emotions, and I'm sure coaches and players can too. Uh, that's why you see some players stay a franchise for the whole career. But you know, she's 34 years old, and by by human standards, she's not old. By soccer standards, she's certainly you know nearing the end of her career, lack of a better way to put it. And Kansas City's cash thing at the end of the day on three very good players or two very good players and a very good prospect uh, for, I mean, obviously they're struggling as they are. They are seven points adrift of ninth place, I believe, 
Uh, you've got three points in the league, rock bottom 10th. So again, he goes reinforcements. Um, and they, they've moved on, you know, the captain, but it's sometimes it's what you've got to do to succeed, right? I, I am, uh, I was surprised because I didn't expect it, but the more I thought about it, uh, for the reasons you explained, I, I think it makes sense. Your season's going nowhere in the first year for KCNWSL. Amy Rodriguez is their, 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 their star attraction, but um, she's on the, you know, on the backside of her, her career. I, can, I think she can be, she's a veteran presence that can help a courage team that, you know, looks, has designs on winning the, the league championship this year. And Kansas City gets to, you know, add uh, three players, one, one of whom is a prospect, to, to build around and to help this year's team get a win, get in the victory column, yeah, and uh, and and so it, to me, it, it 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 makes great sense. You feel you feel bad for the fans that wear their Amy Rodriguez jerseys jerseys out to Legends Field, and there, there's yeah. always that part of it. But I, I I find this to be a pretty shrewd move by uh, KCNWSL. It is, um, you know, it's not just. I mean, we talk about Amy's experience. You know, she's got all that experience, and especially you know national team level and whatnot. On the flip side, you're bringing in two players who have won three NWSL championships each. Granted, they were the same championships with the Western New York Flash and NYNC Courage when they um, relocated. But two players, in, yeah, I guess we should say who the three players are. Uh, <laughs> uh, being forward, Kristen Hamilton, who will be Amy's direct replacement. Um, McFielder, um, Hallie Mace, who's going to be our, she's got good rookie of the three, and then goalkeeper Caitlin Rowland. Um, and again, she was, she was North Carolina's starter really till about 2019. Um, and then she kind of fell out of favor because Casey Murphy's coming since you know, she came from overseas and is kind of taking the reins in North Carolina. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, when you look at it, um, Casey Murph or Caitlin Rowland and uh, Chris and Hamilton, next two players with plenty of experience in winning NWSL championships too. Um, we've been in the league for a while, they know what they're doing. So, yeah, you, you lose an experience in Amy Rodriguez, but you bring in experience, winning experience from elsewhere. So it's not the worst trade in the world. And Amy just has to change uh, locker rooms on on Friday night. She will yeah. not be in the in the KC locker room, but in the North Carolina one. So, okay, uh, let's let's switch to the Wednesday night game at Children's Mercy Park. A one-one draw with Sporting with uh, the San Jose Earthquakes on paper. It looks like a bad result. Uh, uh, San Jose hadn't won a game since May seventh, but they were coming in off of a couple of a couple of draws. Uh, it's a team that's three, seven and three sporting fighting in second place in the West, looking to, to, uh, you know, to overtake Seattle on top of the, the, the division. Um, but this was, this was a really interesting game. Let's first of all, Hey, Briar, who, who all wasn't there for sporting last night that they, uh, that would normally be there. Uh, quite a lot. Um, quite a lot there. Obviously there were the ones, uh, well, first, I guess it's a two-part question because you have both uh, the players who were gone, uh, which I'll get to that in a second, but also 
Peter Vermees for the first time in an MLS game since 2009 when Kurt Adolfo was the prior head coach. Uh, he was not on the touchline. And reason for that is because he was in MLS safety protocols, which uh, that was announced prior to the game. And coming in was his longtime assistant and sporting name on the wall of honor, Kerry uh, Zavagman, who he, he came in. Uh, nothing much changed tactically. Uh, Peter mentioned uh, through Zoom in the post-match press conference that, uh, that the subject predetermined. And so it was kind of like Peter was there anyway. It was just Kerry was the, the person actually there. As for players, uh, as we know already, uh, John Lucabusio and Alan Polito are up at, at the Gold Cup with the U.S. and Mexico, respectively. And then uh, a few other faces not there for sporting. Uh, Felipe Hernandez, uh, he was out due to personal reasons. Uh, Elie was a late was a late scratch, um, a normal starter at the back. Uh, so it was kind of a mishmash of players. Um, I know that Wilson Harris got his first MLS start. Uh, Cam Duke got his first uh, MLS start of the season, played very well. So, yeah, uh, lots of rotations here for this midseason game. And it was and it turned out to be an interesting one uh, as the game went along, too. All right. So let me uh, I want to throw Sean the softball here, but let me set it up. Um, it's, it's scoreless. Uh, at halftime, a uh, couple of good chances for sporting, but it's scoreless at halftime. San Jose uh, caught up to the game in the second half, took a lead, and, yep. um, and and was looking, like I said, for its first victory in, in more than two months. And as uh, as time is winding down, we're in the about the about the eighty fifth minute or eighty sixth minute. It's still yeah. one nothing San Jose, and there is a. Um, there's a play in the box in the, in the San Jose box. Johnny Russell has, um, has, has the ball on his foot moving toward the goal. He goes down. No, he even goes down. I, well, well yeah. he, 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 there's, con- there's contact. Yeah. I think there's contact made. He goes and he's up right away. He, he bounces back up. He, he doesn't roll. He's, he wants to continue the play, Yeah. but play is stopped. And a penalty is called. So it looks like Sporting's going to have the opportunity to tie the game with a penalty kick here. They go, uh, the, the official goes to the, uh, to the review, and it is determined that Johnny Russell was not fouled here. And, okay, uh, but now how is, it, how is it going to be resolved? Because Johnny Russell didn't stop play. The ball was still in play. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was resolved that the San Jose Earthquakes goalkeeper – uh, had the ball in his hand, and yep. and it's San Jose's ball. So listen, we'll talk about the we'll, we'll talk about the game time goal in a minute. But Sean, you dug into this pretty deeply last night. A lot of controversy here, and even though Peter Vermees was not on the sideline, he he made his feelings known about that call. You know, Peter made his feelings known, and Briar actually wrote the in-depth piece on all of that. Uh, so feel free to go read his piece. But, um, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with Peter and I'm going to have my own little rant here. And uh, I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast, am I, Blair? No, I won't. I'll say it was BS. I will say that. Um, I, I, I don't get it. It's 
as you're saying, you know, Johnny Russell, he's running down the right. He's got the ball at his feet. He goes past his defender. And there is a very clear, you know, the defender catches us back foot. And for 95% of players, they'll go down. And it, it was the point where it wasn't like a little touch that you see nowadays and you see players flying about. It was a very clear kick on his backhand call. He could have went down and wins the penalty. It happens anyway. He stays up. The referee gives a penalty. And you're like, oh, that's great. You know, he's he saw the foul. Johnny was, he was getting close to goal, but he had a couple of players to go through. Um, and then, yeah, he goes to VAR and takes it away. And at that point, the issue, the problem to it is, you know, this league, across the world, you know, we're trying to get rid of diving and going down easy. And now you're literally punishing a player for not going down. It, it makes zero sense. If so, should players get fouls in the box and clearly, um, you know, get held up or whatever and stay up and, you know, get nothing out of it or should he go down and get a penalty and then everyone complains that, oh, we dove, like he shouldn't have went down. And, well, you know, I get it's not the fans' fault and this was Joseph Dickerson, the referee. He has an awful game all night. I mean, I don't know what game he was watching. And MLS can't find me for saying that. So, awful game. Go probably find Peter. Can't confirm. But um, but no, it's terrible. And, you know, like you said, then this all goes down. Johnny stays up. You know, he was still trying to play. The play is blowing dead. And then the referee gives the ball back to San Jose's keeper. Uh, I can say that... Um, Daniel Sperry is the he's the parole reporter, and he asked a follow up about why the ball was given or why the penalty um, was basically taken back and why the ball was given back. Because um, at first the parole report que- the answer was ah the referee saw that the call was incorrect. So I was like okay no kidding, um, but the referee says because the defender got the ball first and then hit Johnny Russell, which I didn't see. Um, and even then, he's still been clearly, you know, the defender didn't win the ball. Russell still got it. So that's an issue right there. And then secondly, this is what Dreyak jumped into and looked into. Um, it stakes in the, you know, the laws of the game. If some, if a VAR result is overturned, they'll do a drop ball, which, you know, it's two players, referee drops the ball, two players kick it and we go. But because it's in the penalty box, they just give it to San Jose's goalkeeper. So it was a correct call in the rules of the game. That doesn't mean the rule is stupid. <laughs> um, so awful call, stupid decision. The referee is literally blue dead in active play. And then he says, here you go, San Jose, here's the ball. And we'll move on to the goal now. But luckily, you know, luckily for sports and KC, they do at least get the equalizing goal. Thing. Take it away, yeah. Briar. Yeah, uh, like Sean said, I went a little deeper into uh, the play and Peter's uh, very, very impassioned uh, speech about the officiating that night. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a man more angry on a Zoom call than Peter was during that exchange. But yeah, like I was thinking, uh, so particularly about the rule where it is 
law eight it's it's law eight point two in the official rules of the game, which uh if you want to be like a FIFA recognized competition, you have to abide by those rules. So MLS is, that's the rules they abide by. And Sean basically said, uh, like he said, it's just like it doesn't matter who has possession uh when it becomes a drop ball. If it's in the penalty area, it's gonna be given back to the defending team's goalkeeper. And as I was driving home last night, I was thinking of like what would be kind of the sport, the other sports equivalent of that. And I was thinking, like, imagine if the Chiefs are driving down, they're in the red zone, it's first and 10 at the 15, they're trying to score. And they, and there's a fumble on the play, ton of bodies, both teams get hands on it. And we'll say that the opponent gets hands on the football last and it goes out of bounds. Now, under normal football rule, like like the football rules we know, American football, like the Chiefs get the ball back and just be locked down. Imagine if, like in this case, it were because, and imagine if it were in this case, it would just be given to the opponent because the but, because it touched the ball last. Yes, yes. Imagine like that. Like that's kind of the. I mean, that's the closest comparison I can think of for this, and like. Like I said, just like Sean said, just because the rule is in the rule book doesn't mean it's not flawed. And it did, it did, and it between that and then the penalty kick that wasn't and ended up not being called by Joseph Dickerson, it it cost Sporting a, a pretty strong attacking opportunity. Granted, they did get, eventually get the tying goal, but if they score in the 87th minute. 87, 88 minute, whatever it was, and then have some momentum and a little extra time. Who knows? Maybe Sporting has, comes back and scores a winner in stoppage time. They've done that a couple of times this season in the past. So I don't know. It's a big what if scenario, but it's also a scenario that really shouldn't have happened. Complete cluster is the quote from uh, Peter Vermees. Disrespectful, can't understand it. Uh, really, uh, you're right. Came very strong in his uh, his reaction to to that moment. There was some kind of cluster. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but all's well that ends well. Uh, if you call a draw uh, well, uh, it ended up. You know, Johnny Russell uh, ended up uh, with uh, w- with a heck of a. Uh, set play kick that uh, that led to Sporting's tying goal in extra time. I believe it was an extra, it had to be, right? Because it took five minutes to untangle the the penalty, no penalty play. And, yeah. um, but uh, Sean, take us through Johnny Russell um, and, uh, and of course, Mr. Goal scorer himself, Daniel Shalloway. Goal scorer himself. Yeah, it was the yeah, third minute of stoppage time, so 93rd minute so you could tell after that penalty was taken away, you know, this is this sporting KC team this year. They make it a hell of a stressful job for us beef reporters, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but, you know, it, it reminds me of, you know, it's me, I'm going to talk about Liverpool. It reminds me of back in 2019, even if Liverpool go down, I always suck it. Like, ah, we always score a goal, we always come back. That's, that's almost the same with this sporting KC team. Even if they're down, you have the sense that this team is going to score a goal. I mean, they were shut out once last season. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head. I can't think of a time 
give a shot out this season. Yeah, it might have happened once. Uh, but good team that scores goals. Good, it's a team that comes back. So yeah, once that penalty decision was taken away, the children's Mercy Park was a little riled up. The players obviously wearing it. They were mad after just the referee's decisions all game. I mean, Daniel Shallow says it was shocking as well. Um, so, you know, the surgeon forwards, uh, Judson for, um, why am I forgetting the team? Um, for Salt Lake, takes down Russell and gets sent off. Russell's free kick from 25 yards out, pings off the crossbar, pings off the post, off the back of uh, Marcin Kowski's back, the goalkeeper. And literally every player just stuck their stock still, except pre sports and KC players. Right. Um, it was a big Shelton, Shallowy, and oh, who was the third? Uh, can you remember, Briar, who the third player was? Could you run to that ball? Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, not off the top of my head, no. Yeah. Also, for, also for the record, I uh, just looked it up, and Sporting was shut out once this year by Houston. But yeah, like you said, it's a rare occurrence. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, because the team got scored. So, yeah, Charlie gets to the ball first. He pokes it home from a yard out. Um, and, I mean, yeah, Daniel says after the game, you know, he's going to race that ball first. He's, he's in a race for the golden boot, so he wants those goals. So he has eight on the season now. That moves him into third place. Uh, and the top two was uh, Chicharito and I believe it's Rui Diaz. Uh, for Seattle, both have 10. So he's two behind the lead in third place. And almost had the game winner later in the, in stoppage time. Had, had a pass to, I know. Yeah, had a nice, nice uh, attempt. Okay, hey guys, let's, let's take a break. And we've got some national soccer team news to discuss when we return. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back with Sean Goodwin and Briar Napier talking soccer and kind of a split decision when discussing national team outcomes this week. Uh, the the men's team picked up the, the one nil victory over Canada in Gold Cup play on Sunday. Great atmosphere at Children's Mercy Park for that. The, the, the national team now plays in the Gold Cup quarterfinal Sunday against Jamaica, 830 
believe that game's in Dallas, I want to say, at AT&T Stadium. But uh, how about, hey, Briar, just a quick thought on uh, – you were out there. Uh, both of you guys were there. But quick thought on the U.S. men's national team winning on uh, last Sunday in Kansas City. Well, yeah, like you said, um, awesome, awesome environment. Um, it was a about just over 18,000 showing up at Children's Mercy Park. And then I saw that Kansas City was also the uh, the highest rated TV market for the game. So that'll certainly help for uh, uh, any sort of motivation for Casey's World Cup bid. Didn't show that. But uh, anyway, in terms of the games itself, uh, so Shaq Moore scored the, I believe, the fastest goal in U.S. men's national team history about 20 seconds in. And from then on, it looked from then on until about the 25, 30 minute mark, it was all U.S. And it looked like something just like, right, we scored early. We're going to try to put Canada away early and we're going to get three points in dominating fashion. And then Canada grew into the game. And for the last hour or so, it, it was Canada's game. And the U.S. very much kind of looked like they were playing not to lose rather than to just blow uh, Canada out of the water. However, Canada never really put up uh, any frightening chances. Uh, there were a couple um, a couple of slight ones. I know Tejon Buchanan had a curling shot that just narrowly missed the post that it was maybe a little earlier in the game and there weren't as tired legs. It could have had that extra curl to go in. But other than that, Canada really didn't have many scoring opportunities and really threatening chances. And so because of that, the U.S., despite kind of underwhelming second half, that Shaq Moore goal in the first minute was enough to get them three points and really set set the make it just a good week in, in all in all in Kansas City. Um, three, three wins, nine points, uh, win the group. Uh, and when you're doing it with a team that's heavily rotated and you don't have a lot of heavy hitters in uh, on the U.S. team, that's not an achievement to, uh, to put on the back burner. I mean, that's still impressive to do. So it's just a matter now whether how far they can take it in the Gold Cup and uh, whether they can make a good run out of it. Sean, I was a little disappointed. I was really happy to see Jean-Luc Abusio start the game. A little disappointed to see him come out in the second half. Um, what uh, what did uh, uh, what was said about the substitution of, of removing Busio? Uh, I mean, there's not too much to it, to be honest. It's just Greg Bearholz looking to to tie things up or tighten things up, I should say. Really, you know, fresh legs in the midfield. Uh, Jackson New York was his direct replacement. And if y'all follow me on Twitter, you know my opinions on Jackson New York. Uh, no, not quite the same quality, but I mean, even just watching his Yule's 25 30 minutes, you can tell he's out for his depth. I'm sorry, but it's it's fresh legs on the field when the US they, they were in a tough, tight game. You know, they're playing a third game in a week, it was a Hot day in Kansas City. Um, and they scored such an early goal, you know, Greg Bearholzer kind of 
kind of dunked on me a little bit when I asked about the early goal and he referenced Gingling's early goal and how that changes the game and get your final. Yeah, I was like, that was a big Hang out. Hang out. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's not lying in that, you know, they score such an early goal instead of, you know, if the US was on the front foot for 60, 70 minutes, you know, the better team chasing a goal, that's different from scoring so early and now Canada's like, oh crap, we have to score. Um, so, you know, the US kind of had the best with the game for 30 minutes and then Canada just took over. The US was chasing the ball, they were back and forth, they couldn't really get a hold of it, the passing was a little bit sloppy. Um, so, legs do get tired and replacements have to be made and when you're a defensive midfielder in that uh, game like Buzio was, you're one his players being young raggers as young as he is so yeah the substitute made sense uh, but the fans weren't too happy and obviously as transfer rumours swell um, and it, it, uh, I can't say it will happen in the next couple of days um, maybe when this pause is released you know it might be a done deal for Buzio well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you percentage yeah. chance that he played his last game at Children's Mercy. Yeah, okay. it sounds like, Heck yeah, we're in triple digits on percentage chance. Um, yeah, you, home fans won't get to see him again in in, in Kansas City, not in a sports certainly. Uniform. Yeah, certainly, you know, for the US, I'm sure he will again. This is a seems to be a favorite place for US to play. Yep. But um, again, details and. You know what exactly the trade entails uh, yet to be confirmed. You know, obviously, there's Fabrizio Romano out in Europe and you've got Taylor Twelman here tweeting out stuff of their contacts. Um, all I can say is because, you know, I'm looking for proper confirmation, is it's right now it's in a hold and passing the trade, but it, it'll probably be happening in the next couple of days. Okay. All right. Let's um, let's close on the U.S. women's national team. Uh, they're three nothing lost to Sweden in the Olympic opener. It was an alarming score and an embarrassing loss. Megan uh, Megan Rapino said, and very uh, very uncharacteristic of the U.S. women. Of course, we're interested not only because their this team represents the United States; it's the best in the world. But it's also coached by Vladko Andonovsky, the Kansas Cityan. So his first loss uh, as the U.S. coach, the first loss for the U.S. in 44 matches. So, listen, the, it, it, it's pretty difficult not to advance in Olympic play. There's 12 teams in the tournament. Eight of them make the quarterfinals. I don't think there's any possibility of the U.S. not advancing into the quarterfinals. And hopefully they go into their next game, which is against New Zealand, with a chip on their shoulder. But three nothing loss for for this team. This is um, uh, this was an eye opener, wasn't it, Sean? It was. Um, and Sweden just seems to be their Achilles heel. I mean, yep. Again, we, we talked about our forty four game with uh, undefeated streak. Uh, I think the only time we didn't win, or at least the only time Blacko hasn't won. Uh, it was uh, I think Sweden. Um, so whether they just have Blackos and Umbel, but I mean Sweden has always obviously been kind of a soccer powerhouse. There, uh, or some, I mean I guess women's and men's both are darn good. Um, 
but you know, it's it's a, it's an early setback, but it, this is the US we're talking about, and you know, we've got New Zealand next and Australia down the pipe. Both good teams. But um like you said, eight teams advanced. There's no real cause for concern right now. So yeah. If they come up against Sweden later in the tournaments, then can we start asking questions again? In 3 0, yeah, it's I believe the first time they've been shut out since 2017. Yep. Uh, one of their worst losses in several years, like you said, black loss. Uh, so it's not the best way to start a tournament. And you can argue that they flew all the way to Japan and the heat and so on. So it's like Sweden, it's not as far as a flight, but still a, a damn long flight. So I threw excuses out to go window. The US didn't play well. Sweden is what it is. You move on. Losses happen. You, you can't go undefeated. You, you just put it behind you and you keep going for gold. Absolutely. All right. We've got uh, so much to talk about on this podcast when it comes to soccer. And so we'll be back next week talking Sporting Kansas City, Kansas City NWSL, the U.S men's and women's national teams in their competitions. Sean Goodwin, Brian Napier, great catching up with you, and we'll do it again next week. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welch, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin and Briar Napier for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? Go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers send me an email bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I will get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening we'll be back on Friday with another episode. Mm-hmm.